<laughs> Welcome to another Kirby's Kids Holiday Special. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! This is Angus, and welcome to our special five-part holiday dramatic reading of Zombies Christmas Carol, a faithful adaptation of the Charles Dickens classic. I don't know about you kids, but I thoroughly enjoyed the read-along listening records when I was a kid. And I want to bring that back, that same spirit, for this holiday season in this dramatic reading of Zombies Christmas Carol. So please go ahead and click that link, download that comic to your device of choice, and follow along with this Zombies Christmas Carol. A Zombie Christmas Carol in Sequential Art Being an Undead Story of Christmas by Charles Dickens Deftly adapted by Jim McCann With illustrations by David Baldian So rightfully supported in their endeavor by The inkwork of Jordi Tarragona The colors of Farron Daniel The letters of Jeff Eckleberry Cover by Michael Kaluta and Jim Sharlampidis. Production by Damien Lucchisi and Dan Romolino. Editor, John Denning. Singer-director, Mark Panacea. Editor-in-chief, Axel Alonzo. Chief Creative Officer, Joe Casada, Publisher, Dan Buckley. Executive Producer, Alan Fine. Stave 1. Marley's Hungry Death Death had lost its grip to begin with. There was no more denying that. It seemed to have vanished into the night or danced away with some stealthy nymph and forgotten its duties. I cannot question death any more than I could a doornail, which seemed to me the only thing described as dead. Whatever the reason, death had, for lack of a better explanation, left this world. This must be distinctly understood, or nothing meaningful can come of the story I'm going to relate. It was a cold, biting winter. The city clocks had just chimed but three, yet it was already quite dark indoors and out. The fog came pouring in, and every crack and keyhole, so dense, and although someone could be standing opposite you, they would appear as a mere phantom. One night, have thought nature was brewing something sinister on a large scale. Such a person could have been correct. Those that witnessed it firsthand were forever changed. Their ears would never forget the sounds of the screams, nor could their eyes see anything but the horror that lay before them ever again. That is, assuming, of course, that they would ever resemble anything human after the experience. Once the places of union workhouses, prisons, and poorhouses, those halls were now home to death's lost children. Those left behind in life, those who could not die. Yet those ranks grew, 
but such a scratch, or more likely, a bite. For those poor souls, if indeed they were still in possession of such a thing, were overwhelmed in the absence of death as they had been in life. They were beset with incurable want, and their stomachs were always empty, no matter how much they tried to fill themselves. This is what earned such outcasts of society the name of having the Hungry Death. I believe, Mr. Sands, that it is safe to assume we are indeed no longer secure within these halls. Mr. Jeffers, I do not believe even the halls themselves are safe. I fear that may have become of our fellows in other institutes if they travesties happening within our own is anything but which to measure. You will forgive me if I... Fear for our own above all else at the moment. A fair assessment. The coffers are empty and the cupboards run dry. Indeed, there is nothing more we can offer. And so they turn on the living. We must put our trust in only one place now. The proprietors of which, proprietor, as our records indicate, one of the first victims to contract this hungry death feel into our halls seven years ago, this very day, leaving one. Ah, the one man, then, who could be in possession of enough wealth and supplies to keep this from growing further. And if he declines us, what then? We must pray that the spirit of Christmas may move him. Which leads us back to my question, given we already know what his answer will be. If we are turned away by Ebenezer Scrooge? If these masses continue to swell and overrun? Then there will be no living creature left to see Christmas Day. What kind of man could this Scrooge be, you may question? And with good right. The answer is more complex in the telling, for Scrooge was unlike any man to walk these streets, if he were even a man at all. Hard and sharp as flint, yet no fire had ever sprung from him, nor had a kind word or act of generosity. That is to say, not as long as anyone who had known the man in these parts had seen. The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, shriveled his cheek, stiffened his gait, made his eyes red. Then his lips blew and spoke out shrewdly in his grating voice. He carried his own temperature about with him. External heat and cold had little influence on Scrooge. No warmth could warm him, no wintry weather chill him. It was as if he and nature had a clear and distinct order to pay the other no heed. And so, with Scrooge laying as mankind's last hope, humanity might as well have extinguished its final fires this Christmas Eve. A Merry Christmas, Uncle! Bah, humbug! 
Christmas, a humbug, Uncle? You don't mean that, I'm sure. I'm sure I do, nephew. Every idiot who goes around with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding, buried with a stake of holly through his heart. For that reason, should you among all others be so dismissal? In these times, you are swimming in all things that can be counted as material wealth. And I suppose you should find yourself rich enough in spirit and happiness to be content with all accounting to a Christmas cheer. But of course, dear uncle, it is the only time I know of in the long calendar of the year where men and women seem to open their hearts freely and think of people below them as fellow passengers to the grave, equals on the journey. Hear, hear. I would encourage any who seek to spread such nonsense to speed along their journeys and leave me in peace. Oh, come dine with us on the morrow, uncle. I hate to think that on Christmas, of all days, you would continue to take your supper alone. You throw doors open, all still, Master Fred? Even the rumors that the streets are no longer safe? The spirit of the season should be spread far and wide, with hearts and doors open to all. The very sound that gives me the notion to lock my doors until such drivel is wiped from the very mouth for all time. Mother would have wanted you there. It is for her as much as my own desire to see you happy that I shall continue to invite you. And it is because of her I shall never attend. You know her name is never to be uttered in my presence. I never knew her dying as she did in bringing me into this world. You are the closest thing to her I shall ever know. Talk of Christmases and laughter all you wish, nephew Fred. Of your mother, make no mistake. In me, you will find nothing that resembled her. And that is the last. I'll speak on the matter. I'm sorry with all my heart to find you so resolute for such darkness to fall over you. Good afternoon. I have made this trial in homage to your sister, my mother. May her name never be kept from crossing my lips. I shall keep my Christmas humor to the last. So too shall my offer stand, uncle. And safe travels to you, sir. And a Merry Christmas to you, Mr. Cratchit. Good afternoon, and may this be the last time those words must be spoken this day, or else you shall find yourself seeking new employment, Cratchit. Mr. Scrooge, pardon our rather disheveled entrance on this Christmas Eve, but we are very much in need of your aid. Scrooge is gone. Can you not read the sign? This is Scrooge and Marley's, and with Mr. Scrooge gone, I believe your business here is undone. Good afternoon. 
Mr. Scrooge, for that is your name regardless of the sign, we have come today because there are things afoot, I'd best not say, this close to dusk, for risk of frightening the last rays of the sun away. Fear? Is that what tinges your voice? At last, someone without that ridiculous, high-pitched, strange tidings of good cheer to everyone he sees. There is much fear in the streets this day, and with good cause, the voices of the poor and the forgotten are rising. Soon they will wash through this town, and no one will be safe. Are not the workhouses and prisons still in operation? No, sir, they are not. We have run through every option, and it is no longer within our means to help them. I'm quite sorry, sir, but nothing could prepare us for this. The poorhouses, prisons, your taxes indeed, every available farthing has been consumed. All the hungry death. Our walls are not enough to contain them. They need sustenance, and we need help to keep them at bay. But not will set foot here now. They would rather hide or die by their own hands. If they'd rather die, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. These are the surplus population, Mr. Scrooge. The very people you have continued to turn your back on. They have been growing in ranks for these past seven years, hurried along by your former partner. Speak not of Jacob Marley. He was a far greater man than you two quivering beggars before me. He has been dead these seven years, and now you choose to play upon his memory? Where were you? Where were any of you when he died? It was I who signed his witness of death, and I alone who stood by his grave as he was committed to the ground. You have no right to invoke his name in your cause. If that's your answer, then so be it. But even you cannot lie about the true fate of Jacob Marley. I suppose we gave our best efforts. So shall this counting house be marked. And now we go, I suppose. Doomed to become a part of the surplus population, sentenced to this by another man's greed. I needn't guess, Cratchit. You would like this profit from this day by taking your leave before it is time. Uh, please, sir, I would like to stay to work as late as you need me. However... However, my youngest, Tiny Tim, is still most likely out playing in the streets. If what they say or saying is true, I fear for him. I would be more fearful as a child with such negligent parents.
be here all the earlier the next day. Ah, oh, yes, Mr. Scrooge, and thank you for your kindness. The talk of the dead would have stirred a sense of loneliness or regret in any other soul. The same could be said for Scrooge. If he had possessed a soul, instead, he stared for some time at Marley's desk, his only friend, his partner, and the only person to share in his disdain for his fellow man, especially in this season. Now gone. Stepping outside, even Scrooge could not ignore the fact that there should be carriages and carolers. The streets were empty. The fog had been rolling in and was growing thicker, extinguishing the gas lamps, leaving the entire sections of the street in a misty darkness, the buildings looking as though they were ghosts of their former selves. Scrooge entered his usual melancholy tavern to take his usual melancholy meal and read all of the daily newspapers. Have I missed some statute that proclaimed even taverns must close in observance of this ridiculous season? Surely you heard, Mr. Scrooge. The night isn't safe. There's rumblings of terrors and roaming the streets. You best get home. Only the dead will be caught outside this Christmas Eve. And so Scrooge was left alone, a hunger growing in his stomach. So intense was he that Christmas Eve had ruined his rigid daily life, he failed to notice the fog had enveloped the streets, parted before him as he walked. It was as though even nature feared to touch Ebenezer Scrooge. The house in which Scrooge lived was befitting of his own nature. Let it be known that on this night, when there should have been carolers and shoppers finishing up with nearly forgotten gifts, there was not a soul to be seen. Which is why it was so peculiar to Scrooge that he heard his name carried on the wind. I needn't remind you that Scrooge had no love for Christmas in what remained of his heart, but even he couldn't help but notice some oddity. Where there should have been bright holly and evergreen ivy twisted into wreaths and hung on doors, there were boards nailed to every entrance. Who should have taken these foals as being smart for once? Well, to guard your homes from the hooligans going door to door, singing without invitation? The flames on the lamps lining now the row had all but flickered out. He paid no mind, for darkness is cheap, and Scrooge liked it, or so he thought. Marley? Humbug! Arr! Good God! Why he should have seen such a face on the door knocker was a mystery to Scrooge. Save for the mention of his partner's name this afternoon, he had not given Jacob Marley a single thought in seven years. Oh, 
foolish nonsense. Talk of the dead swirling the streets. No place for it here in these walls. Bah! Homework! You may talk vaguely about driving a coach, six up and a good old flight of stairs, but to witness such a very thing coming down them is another matter entirely. Something even Scrooge could not quite call a humbug. Though the hearse was perhaps but a vision from some undigested bit of meat, there was something about the decayed mare leading the charge that chilled Scrooge. A chill that emanated from a childhood wound that now felt as raw as the day he'd come by it. Scrooge entered his bedchambers, double-locked himself in, though it was not his custom. Feeling quite safely secure, Scrooge went about his nightly routine. But then he discovered something was indeed out of place. Not a thing, mind you, but a sound. Ting! 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 That of a tiny bell chiming, as though it walked upstairs on its own. Ting! Ting! Clank! The bell was suddenly accompanied by a deep clanking noise, as if some person were dragging a heavy chain. As the bell and chain grew closer, Scrooge meant to arm himself with an iron poker from the fireside, but the sight of his mantle changing stopped him. Ting! Clank! No, it's a humbug still. I won't believe it. As the color dropped from Scrooge's face, the dying fire leaped up as though it cried. I know him, Marley's ghost. How now? What do you want from me? Who are you to come in, to come through my door in such a manner wearing a distorted mockery of a face I once knew? <sighs> Ask me how I was. Who were you then? In life I was your partner, Jacob Marley, and in death? There is no death. Mercy, dreadful creature, why do you trouble me? You who still walk the earth with mere sliver of life in him, do you believe in me or not? I do, I must. But, but why do, do such as you I have Witness tonight, come to me! It is required of every man to walk abroad, living among his fellow men. And if that spirit goes not forth, living in life, it is condemned to do so without the comfort of the grave. 
doomed to wander and to spread among those without basic solace and needs. Tell me why. Because of you, Ebenezer Scrooge. Me? How could I have cursed anyone, much less my dear friend, to such a fate? I have kept well away from others and their lives while you were a good man of business, Jacob. Mankind should have been my business. Now it is my feast. Speak comfort to me, old Jacob Marley. Surely there is some help in finding your eternal rest. I cannot. Rest was once for the men. Men who lived until they were tired. I never left the counting house. Spending my days there with you and my wealth on no one. It was you and I that spread this to the abodes of the poor, disease rather than comfort. Ah, can change with simple stroke of a pen. It is is it is the poor that need money. Then those portly men who came around early shall have their coffers filled by morn. You will have forgotten that promise as soon as it has left your lips. You are as you've always been. I'm here tonight to warn you. That you have yet one final chance to escape my fate. To help those, including myself, loosen these shackles and end the ceaseless hunger before it devours everyone. You are always a good friend to me. Thank ye. You will be haunted by three spirits. I, I think I'd rather not. <sighs> Expect the first when the bell tolls one. Couldn't I just take them all at once and have it over, Jacob? Look to see me no more. You must set foot on your own journey to discover your role. If there is to be rest eternal, restored. Why me? Why could I have ever done to set in motion the things you have told me tonight? Ting! Look, that's for mankind's sake. You remember what has passed between us. Lest you forget, I offer you this. Ting. Ting. 
Please, Jacob, I have seen plenty already. Why must you show my eyes things they know I cannot bear to see? The fog is as deep as it ever was, yet now it stirs as though it were a living thing, yet it is death. God help us, everyone! To be continued. <laughs>